All right, so we are, I literally have to fly through, well, I guess I shouldn't say literally. I've been making fun of my students for doing that. If you're one of them, I'm sorry. Um, we, need to, we need to run through tonight's lesson uh, because I want to give you guys good group time. Uh, I want to make sure we can end on time so that the, the people trying out for the worship team can be up here. So um, we're going we're gonna to work pretty quickly, so I need you guys to be ready. Are you ready? All right. So we need to do a quick recap as we always do, so we can make sure we're, we're keeping up, we're thinking about what we've been doing. So first of all, who wants to, to be the one person who can give me our uh, definition for identity? The entire thing. All right, go for it, Seth. Good job. Did you guys hear that? We were created by God. We're created what? In the image of God. We're created fully dependent on God. We're created accountable to God. And we are created for the glory of God. Every single one of us shares that same created identity. And then we, we kind of moved through, through what we were created for to what the fall has done to that and how we can then be restored to God through uh, his son Jesus. And then last week, what did we talk about last week? Yeah, well, yeah, uh-huh, sure. What did we talk about last week? Specifically, the word abide. Uh, and how, how do we kind of talk about that? The word abide is kind of one of those words you... We say it all the time, but how do we kind of talk about what that really means? Anybody remember? Sure, yeah, dwelling in Christ. We talked about enjoying the riches you have in Christ, but it's not just this idea that we sit and think about it, but also what flows from that. Anybody? Obedience. Who said that? Thanks, Sarah. Obedience. And so that's actually... Quite honestly, that's where we're camping out tonight. We're going to be talking about if your identity is in Christ, there's a specific fruit, uh, actually many fruits that come from your identity in Christ. And they, uh, they kind of all fall under this idea of, uh, of obedience, of, of loving obedience to Christ. So if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, we're going to be in verse 43 through 45. Luke chapter what? Six. We talked about abiding, being specifically enjoying the riches you have, and living in light of all that you have in Christ. All right, Luke 6, verse 43 through 45. We ready? Try that again. We ready? Thank you. It's really not that hard. I ask a question, you give an answer. This is how this works. All right, verse 43. For no good tree bears good, bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces good evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. All right, guys, can I just pray real quick, and then we're going to dive in. God, I love you. So thankful for this time that we have 
to worship together through song and then worship together through your word. God, would you be with us tonight? Would this be a night of honesty? Would this be a night of uh, thinking deeply? Uh, God, will we not just come here just to goof off, but will we honestly engage your word? That may mean digging deeper. That may mean asking questions. That may mean just thinking about our own life and where we line up. God, would you help us tonight? Would you help me as I try to uh, proclaim your word quickly tonight? Uh, It's in your name we pray. Amen, Jesus. All right. So this is a very interesting analogy. Does anybody here have fruit trees in their yard? Anybody? What kind of fruit trees do you have? Talk to me. Just yell them out. Apple trees. Peach trees. Pear trees. Anybody else? Avocados. Fig trees. Eggplant. <laughs> You're so funny. Good, good, good. Uh, we don't have any fruit trees in our yard. Uh, we do have actually a strawberry bush that my wife has planted and tending, and it provides some, some yummy strawberries. But just a couple of weeks ago, uh, my grandma gave me a call. She's got uh, a number of apple trees at her house, but she's getting uh, older in age. Um, she has two of her sons that still live with them, but they're both uh, not able to climb up and get stuff. And so uh, I went over to the house with my kids. I climbed up in these trees, and we started picking apples. Um, these apples actually looked really nasty. They had black on the outside, but we scrubbed them up, and they were super sweet. It was really weird. Super sweet apples. My wife made applesauce. We, she, we've been eating apples and more apples and more apples. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a really good time. But one of the things that, that this, this uh, analogy or this picture that Jesus talks about is very clear about is what kinds of fruit does an apple tree produce? Apples. What kinds of fruit does an orange tree produce? Does an orange tree ever produce apples? Does an apple tree ever produce oranges? Possibly. So it doesn't work like that. So Jesus is using that word picture. So if you can think about an apple tree, if you can think about uh, how this works, he's using this word picture to communicate a truth to us tonight and really all throughout time through his word. Each tree, this was the line that stuck out to me as I was thinking and meditating on this word uh, or this line. It says specifically, each tree is known by their fruit. Each tree is known by their fruit. So it's funny, what do we call a tree that bears apples? It's going to be redundant, I know, I, I hear you. It's an apple tree. Each tree is known by the fruit that it bears. They don't call it, they don't have some funky name for the tree, it's, we call it an apple tree. Each tree is known, known by its fruit. So this is really what we're going to talk about tonight. And here's, here's kind of the way we're going to do it. We're going to talk about good fruit and bad fruit, okay? Now, often when we talk of ter- in terms of fruit in the Christian life, we usually talk f- uh, fruit or lack of fruit, right? Well, in this word picture, we get fruit and bad fruit. So picture uh, a tree that only bears nasty fruit. Every piece is rotten. It's not that you waited to pick it. It's just that every piece is rotten. And then there's another tree that's bearing the stuff you buy at the store. The, the perfectly round, the, the good fruit, the fruit that you look at and you're like, I want to chow down on that fruit. 
That's the fruit of the other tree. So the first thing I want you guys to understand as we kind of roll into this is, is very simple. It's believers bear Christ-like fruit. Bottom line, if you're a believer, you bear Christ-like fruit. You bear fruit in line with your identity. So go back to think about your, the, the identity, the definition of identity. Uh, the very last part we talk about is you were created for the glory of God, right? So Christians bear fruit that's in line with that part of their identity. It's I mean, it's, it's not, not rocket science. It's very simple. Uh, Christians bear fruit that honors Christ. One of the amazing things about the gospel, listen to me, guys. One of the amazing things about the gospel is that once we receive Christ, it changes everything about us. It changes how we think. It changes how we live. It changes what we do. It changes what we desire. Now, I, I, I know it doesn't change all at once, but God is in the process, if you're a believer, of changing all that in your life, of giving you affections for the Lord, giving you affections for the things of the Lord. We see it actually in, in 1 John a little more clearly. So this is just a word picture. He goes on to explain it a little further. We'll get there. But flip over to 1 John chapter 2. And I want to show you uh, a, a spot that's a little, honestly, it's a little scary. When you look at it in its clarity. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says this. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So that's interesting. We know we have come to know him. How? What did it just say? We what? Go ahead. We keep his. Are you saying it because you don't like that? Or are we saying it because we're not, we, we didn't catch that? <laughs> One more time. You keep his commandments. Now this is not going to be a, a session where you just hear me uh, continue to yell. You just obey. Dang it. Just obey. That's not what we're going to do tonight. But I think sometimes... We're so afraid to talk about obedience in, in many student ministries because we think we're going to create moralism or Pharisees. So we, we dumb down this idea of obedience. But you can't get around it when you're looking at God's word. You can't get around this idea that believers are known by their fruit. Um. What's the heart behind that? It's not necessarily showing here in, uh, in Luke, but why do we obey? Can somebody help me with that? If you're a believer, why do we obey? Okay, so number one, we obey because we were told to. <laughs> Get that. Good. Why else do we obey? Great. When we obey... We show that we love God. You got another one? 
Sure, it honors our parents. But the key word that I want to talk about is, is that love idea. We obey because we love. So when we submit ourselves to things, when we go after things, when we do things, it's almost always motivated by love. It may be a love of yourself. It may be a love of whatever that thing is. But you're always being motivated by love. Always. And it's no different when it comes to our relationship with Christ, when it comes to obedience. We are motivated by love. So we can follow it up with a quick question of, quite honestly, do you love God? Do you love Christ? Do you love what he's done for you? That love should increase obedience in our lives as, as, as Christ followers. So when we think about this idea of identity, when we think about being Christians or in Christ, obedience is something we see all throughout the scriptures. Why do we struggle with this? I struggle with this. Why do we struggle with this, guys? God's not the only thing we love. Great. God is not the only thing that we love. We got high fives going back and forth over here. God is not the only thing that we love. What, what do we love? What else do we love in life? Just yell them out. Go ahead. Food. I'm motivated by food. Don't get me wrong. I had my whole discipleship sleep over on Friday night. My whole D group slept over. And I really only had them over so I could buy junk food. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. They believe me. They're not even laughing. They, they really think that's true. Oh, it is. <laughs> but they enjoyed it too, right, Spencer? Oh, yeah. Um, what else do we love? Keep going. Ourselves. Money. What else? Time. Our time. Bacon. We already said food. Is that a whole other category? Okay. Sleep. Popularity. Music. Keep going. Relationships. Sports. Oh, don't say that one. Just trying to keep that one out of here. Drama. Like as in plays or like the drama drama? Oh, drama drama. That's what we're talking about. CJ. Technology. Good, good. This, these are great. These are great. We love a billion things. That was a great point. So one of the things that I want, that I hope you hear from our ministry regularly is I'm not just going to tell you go and do, but I'm going to tell you return to the cross regularly. Why? Why? Because that's where we find our motivation. That's where we find our joy. If you're a Christian and your identity is in Christ, you return to the cross for, the, for joy and for motivation in obedience. Has anybody had somebody in their life that was really, really, really hard to love? If you haven't, it's coming. I'm just saying. Okay. I've had plenty of those in my life. But the, the best way that I've grown in my ability to love them has been to think about what Christ has done for me and recognize no matter how mean or nasty they are, it never measures up to my sin against God. It never measures up. There's nothing you can find. So I've shared the story about my dad before. He was uh, 
prosecuted in the state of Wisconsin for some stuff in, in, in his church. He was found not guilty. There was many people that were incredibly mean to my family. But when I talk with my dad and when I talk with my mom, when I hear what motivates them to keep going, and it's not always easy, they're not always saying the right things or thinking the right things, but when I hear what motivates them to love and forgive, it is what Christ has done for them. You get that? So if you think about, think about that one person in your life right now, the one you could do without. <laughs> and what if you spent some time every day before you see them, or in moments you know that you're going to see them, and you spend some time thinking about what Christ has done for you, asking God to help you to have that same love towards them, I think it would change how you live. I think it would change how you love because you're excited about what Christ has done for you, not excited uh, about what you get to do back to them, not excited about, uh, or maybe, uh, maybe not excited is the word, uh, but you're not frustrated about what you're not getting in the relationship or the friendship or whatever it is. The heart of obedience is love for Christ. Obedience to other things in this life is still motivated by love. So help me out with this one here. You guys ready? How would your life look different if we truly cared about obedience more than pleasing ourselves? Give me some specifics. How would our lives look different? Yeah, we'd have a higher uh, respect for people around us, no matter who they are. So it'd make you want to do things because of what Christ has done. Like what, specifically? Let's, let's go. Unconditionally, that's good. Yeah, love unconditionally. That means no matter what happens to you, continue to love. Come on, let's go. What, what, what would this motivate? How would we live differently? Serving others, even when we don't want to, right? Patient when we don't understand, good. This, this is an inexhaustible list, so let's keep going. How? Say that again? So maybe the way we see school and in our specific teachers and people that are assigning us homework. Yeah, so we would be more uh, bold to preach the word or to talk about God's word and the gospel to other people who don't know it. Be easier to forgive other people. Keep them coming. You're doing good. Anybody else? Honor other people. So you're all, none of your lives have changed because you're already living like this all the time. Go ahead. So we would be actively thinking of other people's needs before we think of our own, almost being ready to see those needs quicker. That's good, Jason. Let's get specific. How would it help you to see your parents differently? Better understanding of why they do what they do, maybe more specifically a better respect for what they do no matter what? Sure, you know, once again, we want to honor them because we want to honor God. 
Yeah, so recognizing authority, that God has given them authority, and we speak to them in, in the right manner, uh, respectfully, in honor and love. How would it change? How would it change how you treat your discipleship group? Go ahead. You would open up more. I'm excited about the next couple weeks because one of the things we're going to talk about is it's okay to recognize your brokenness and let other people see that. Good. What else? Be more loving and understanding. If we actually lived like this, how many people do you think would, be, would feel excluded in our group? I don't think it'd be happening. How many people do you think would walk in those doors downstairs as first-time guests and would feel lonely if we were actively looking for them? Excited to talk with them. Excited to welcome them into our group. Look around. These are a lot of people here. There's a lot of people in this youth ministry. These are high school students. We had 91 high school students on Sunday. It was almost as big as my high school. <laughs> Not quite. We would, li- we would live differently, guys. So when we return back to the text in, in, uh, in Luke... Luke 6, we would see, uh, if you're a Christian, the kind of fruit that you bear will be evident to the people around you. Because if we trace your identity, that's the type of tree you have, if you are, or the type of tree you are, if you're in Christ, good fruit grows. Now that's not the only kind of tree that we see. I want to read you a quote from a dead guy. This guy's name is Charles Spurgeon. He, uh, he died over 120 years ago. And I want to read this to you because what he was... He was talking about the church specifically and how easy it was for people to, to claim Christ and not live for Christ. So let me read this to you and then we'll talk about it. He said, I'm, I'm glad that there is some trouble in being a Christian, for it's become a very common thing to profess to be one. If I'm right, it is going to become a much less common thing for a person to say, I am a Christian. There will come times when sharp lines will be drawn. Some of us will help draw them if we can. The problem is that people bearing the Christian name They bear the Christian name, but act like worldlings, that's what he says, and love the amusements and follies of the world. It is time for a division in the house of the Lord in which those for Christ go into one camp and those against Christ go into another camp. We have been mixed together far too long. Now one thing I would would say is I don't think that time has come quick enough for, for Mr. Spurgeon. It is still too easy To just say I'm a Christian, especially in our nation. It's becoming harder, no doubt. But it's still far too easy. What did he identify as some of the issues or some of the 
the things that we can, we can see in somebody who's acting or talking like a Christian but not acting like it. What did he say? Do you remember? Did he use two bigger words? I'm just kidding. You guys are mostly smarter than I am. Let me read it again to you. This is just one part. He says, The problem is that people bear the Christian name but act like worldlings and love the amusements and follies of the world. It means you're so caught up in the things the world has to offer, you give Christ just lip service, but no life change. So this brings us to really the the second part. I need to finish up quickly here. Christians or believers bear Christ-like fruit, but unbelievers bear, this is a word I'm using today, unchrist-like fruit. Don't think it's a real word. You bear fruit in line with your identity, okay? I think so many times, and I want to say this carefully, in a church like this, there are so many of us, adults and students, who are just quite honestly playing the game. You come here on Sunday nights, and you may even look kind of nice here. You may talk a good game. You may talk about God's word. But there's very little change in your life, and you look quite different when you're outside of this building. Is that good fruit or bad fruit? Any thoughts? I got a thumbs down bad fruit. If we're not living for Christ in our whole life, it may be an indicator that we're not living for Christ in any of our life. Does that make sense? And I don't don't enjoy having to say this, but these are the kinds of things that sometimes keep me up at night when I think about us, when I think about you guys, when I think about the, the, the people that I love and that I pray for. I said this when, in my interview for this job, one of the things uh, they said is, I don't remember how the question came up, uh, but they asked me kind of what are some of my thoughts on, on youth ministry. And one of the things that I said, and I still believe to this day, is I would much rather you leave my ministry knowing you're an unbeliever than leaving here thinking you are and not being a believer. I would much rather you know where you stand, especially even if it's not a Christian, than just walking through my ministry, acting like a believer, talking like a believer, but not being one. So let's flip back to John, 1 John. I want to show you some more of that passage. First John 2, 15 through 17 is quite interesting. It says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God 
abides forever. And then flip back to the beginning of chapter 2 again. Verse 4 says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. (laughs) That's a comfortable passage. The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in my, uh, in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. That's bearing fruit. That's bearing good fruit. That's bearing the kind of fruit that a good tree bears. So a, a tree that's rooted in Christ. It's interesting at the back end of 45, you see this phrase, and we've used it before in our church quite often actually. It says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What does that mean, guys? Yeah, what's in your heart comes out. If there are people in your life that are asking you, or questioning you about the authenticity of your faith, I'm going to be honest with you guys, you shouldn't get upset at them. Let me ask it this way. What does it serve me to have that conversation with you? Does it usually end well? I hope it would, but it doesn't always. Does it win me brownie points? With you, not usually. It doesn't make me feel better about myself. I can tell you that I get sick sometimes thinking about having to have these hard conversations with some of you. All of those conversations are motivated by love. Now, there may be people who are doing them poorly, that are doing them just for self-serving reasons. I get that. But if there are people in your life who are genuinely coming to you because they love you, it's not because of what they can get. It's because they're scared for you. Because they're scared for you. The world, I promise you, will not satisfy. Money will never satisfy. Sex will not satisfy. Drugs will not satisfy. Video games will never satisfy you. Friends will almost always let you down. Only Christ can satisfy you. I promise you. I promise you. So there's two kinds of trees. There's the good tree and the bad tree. And each one of them bears its own kind of fruit. So I just want to ask you one question. You don't need to answer this one, I promise you. (laughs) What kind of fruit are you bearing? If you could be honest with yourself for just 10 minutes, what kind of fruit are you bearing? What's coming through your Twitter feed? Why did everybody's head look up just that moment? What's going through your Facebook account? What kind of language do you use? How do you talk about girls? Or girls, how do you talk about guys? What are you watching? 
What are you living for? Look at the fruit. I'm embarrassed by some of the things that I see on social media. By people, not just, I'm not just picking on you, by people who claim to be Christians. And they may be. But they are surely not things that would honor the Lord. And I can promise you, if Jesus had a Twitter account and was following you, you would think differently. You would post differently. But here's a newsflash for you. He's got one. He sees everything. He knows everything. Let me read this passage one more time. Then we'll go to just a few quick journal questions. And then I'll tell you what what we're doing next. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now look at the next verse. We've not read this yet. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? I'm just stop there. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? I just have a few journal questions. I'm going to give you five minutes, and then I'm going to give you just a couple more instructions as you leave. But what kind of fruit are you bearing? So the first question, I just want you to think about this a little bit more. In your journal or in your group time, why do you think Jesus cares so much about obedience? Why? Does he just enjoy cracking the whip? Number two, what kind of fruit are you seeing in your life? Please don't say oranges or apples. What kind of fruit? And the last one is, what is one way, by God's grace, that you want to grow in obedience? And how are you going to do that? That's a great conversation for your group tonight. How are you, not just what do you want to do, but how are you going to do it and how are we going to work together? All right, so let me give you guys probably three to, three to five minutes. Why I have you do journal time is simply this. It helps you get your hearts ready for discipleship groups. It helps you to give you some time to think.
All right. In just a second, you guys are heading to your groups. You'll have about 40 minutes until you guys have got to be done. And one other thing I've asked your leaders to do is they're going to be grabbing a stack of index cards on their way out. Um, I, I would like them to build in some time to do something special, not special, but something specific tonight. And I only want you to do this if you want to. So you will not be made to do this tonight. But if you want to, I would love for you to grab a card and write on that card where you are with Christ. Be honest. How can someone be praying for you right now? And this is the part that I know may, you may not want to do. If you feel comfortable, put your name on it. I'm going to get them. I'm not going to throw them around the church. I want you to put them in those black box, and I want to pray for you guys. I want you to be honest. If you can't be honest, don't fill one out. Well, I guess that would be awkward. <laughs> Nobody, everybody that didn't fill one out wasn't honest. I just, I just need you guys to be honest. This is not for my own good. This is only for your good. But once again, they're not going to make you. And there will be people in here who, who are believers that don't fill one out because they don't want me to pray for them. There will be people who, who just don't want to fill one out because they don't like to do what we ask. <laughs> there will be plenty of people who don't fill them out. They may just not feel like it. But this is, this is something I'd love for you to do so that I can pray for you and also so that if you feel comfortable, we can talk about it. Because I love you and because I want to see you guys love Christ. And not just talk about Jesus, but live for Jesus.